We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast we are another sunday closer to the beginning of Packers season only 90 days away from the season opener as we uh, start our week on this fantastic monday how you doing everybody welcome into another edition of the pack a day podcast my name is alex strofe Joining you today and with me today is the great Perry Goldstein. You can find her on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. Hi, Perry. Only 90 days away. That feels pretty good. Yeah, that's crazy. That feels both very close and very far away at the same time. (laughs) Right. No doubt about it. But, uh, you know, we've got the whole summer. We can get through the nice weather, at least here in Wisconsin. And then, uh, then we can get the football season now. Obviously, a lot of things are going to be changing between then and now as uh, the Aaron Rodgers saga rolls on into month number three, almost just about. So uh, here we go. But lots to get into. We threw up on Twitter over the weekend. We want to talk about what you want to hear about. So we opened up our show prep to you, uh, all of our wonderful listeners. So we'll go over a couple of the things that you guys sent in uh, to both Perry and myself. Uh, But first and foremost, I think this is the number one thing that a lot of people were talking about. Uh, we heard Andy chime in on it on yesterday's edition of the Pack a Day podcast. But it's Mark Murphy uh, continuing to, I don't know, Perry, is stir the pot the, the correct term for a guy that said just a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, it, it's best about if, if all this Aaron Rodgers conversations are, are had in private. But now he goes on and says, oh, yeah, Ted Thompson, the late great Ted Thompson, used to call Aaron Rodgers a complicated fella. So now we're uh, stirring the pot, not so much keeping everything in private. Uh, I'm just a little bit confused with Mark Murphy right now, Perry. Yeah, I didn't actually listen to it because I saw all the uproar from Twitter and was just like, I don't need to bother with that (laughs) because, but um, the quote is obviously interesting. I, I don't know if it was just a, you know how when you're public speaking sometimes and like you're on the spot and you just kind of say something and then afterwards yeah. you're like, shoot, I should not. <laughs> I'm like wondering if that's what happened. I I think this goes along, Alex. My only thought really is like I just think this goes along with this idea that like the front office just like are not the best communicators and may not have the best people skills to deal with this situation. 
Do I think that that comment is going to make or break the situation at the current moment? No. Do I think it's going to make it worse than it already is? No. Um, I think we're, we're already at a, a bad enough place. So um, I just, I don't know. I think sometimes the best thing to do is, is not say anything. And, and Mark Murphy didn't do that. And he hasn't been doing that this month, it seems, right back on June 5th when we did a new Murphy Takes 5, the monthly column he writes on Packers.com. He said Aaron Rodgers was dividing the fan base. He was the reason that, that fans were in this uh, Twitter uproar, as well, you kind of alluded said, to, right? Well, he said the situation, and sure. he's not wrong, but also he has to understand that people are going to take what he said completely out of context. Like you have to foresee those kinds of things if you're going to be the right. president slash owner of an organization. Um, so again, I just think like really poor communicators. 100%. And I think, you know, to your point, right, when you're in a position like Mark Murphy's in, especially when with everything going on with Aaron Rodgers, uh, everything he says is going to be uh, criticized heavily. It's going to be looked at, you know, uh, through a magnifying glass. It's going to be magnified and that's that's certainly what this complicated fella uh point is doing as well so as this situation continues to roll on uh it just doesn't seem like mark murphy's de-escalating it is more the way i'm viewing it yeah i think that's a good way to put it is that he he's not doing anything that's like helping the situation whereas i think goot and matt lafleur at least publicly saying everything that they need to say in order to sort of appease rogers like Mark is not is not on the same wavelength. No. You would think that there are like PR people and communications people within the organization <laughs> proofread and you know edit and give advice on these things. Um, but I guess maybe maybe I'm wrong or he's not listening to them. Yeah, I, one of the two, I'd assume, right? But here we are anyway. So I got to ask you, Perry, because I, I'm feeling less and less confident as the days and weeks continue to roll on without hearing from Aaron Rodgers, without getting a resolution. Uh, I'm getting eager. I'm getting antsy. Where, where's your head at with this whole Rogers saga as we, uh, we enter into yet another week? I'm not antsy. I, I want I'll, we'll see what happens come, you know, mandatory training camp. We'll, we'll see what happens in August. Um, I feel like we have time and I, I understand why fans would be, but I try not to, you know, stress too, too much about things that I, I feel like we have answers for. And it's clear right now that Rodgers is not going to be reporting um, anytime soon. That's true. And uh, the Goldstein optimism is certainly helpful here to start another week. But uh, I'm not saying I'm optimistic. I'm just saying uh-oh. that I have no expectations until August, which is when we will know if and when um, he shows up. But right. I, 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 I definitely am starting to wane a little bit because I at first was like, there's no way. Um, he's not coming back. But at this point, I think every option is on the table. I think so, too. And, it, and that's that's why I'm in my antsy state. I want a solution, but we're certainly not going to get one for, like you said, at least two months at a minimum. But I, I expect uh, even longer than that. So uh, let's jump into some of these other questions. And while we're diving into Aaron Rodgers, I, I do want to talk a little Jordan Love. Obviously, mandatory OTAs have now come and gone last week. Uh, he started off kind of rough, then he re- rebounded with a really solid day two. He got his first uh, taste of the media this year, did Jordan Love with a press conference last Wednesday. So I-, I guess we talked a little bit about Jordan Love last week, Perry, when you and I got together and did this. But 
how are you feeling with the possibility of Jordan Love, uh, you know, if, if he is indeed the starter come week one, 90 days from today, uh, are you feeling any better than you did, did a week ago uh, with him in that position? Or is it still pretty, uh, you know, up in the air, given that we don't know a ton of about him yet? We haven't seen him in live action yet. Obviously, these were non-padded practices, so you can't take uh, too much away from it. We're talking about practice, you know? So Yeah, uh, I don't yeah. put too much stock into it. Because, like, when he's bad, you know, you say, okay, no, it's it's just camp. You know, it's his first day, whatever. So you have to apply that same logic to when he looks good. Um, again, like, I'm, I'm going up to training camp. I'm going to be at the first um, preseason game. And I think that's when I'll really feel, like, when I see him in any kind of live game reps, whether I feel like, confident in in his ability or not and again even if I don't you have to give a a new player the benefit of the doubt I always remind myself like Aaron Rodgers went six and ten in his first season as a starter so um there's some learning curve there's some leeway there and it doesn't mean that that Jordan Love is a bust it doesn't mean that he's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback it just means that he's been thrust into this position about a year or two earlier than they thought and he just may not be ready yet and that's okay right and obviously the goal with with uh, Jordan Love was not to have him as the starter in 2021, but the way some pieces are falling, uh, that might be the situation the Packers have thrusted themselves into. So, uh, yes. but 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 given obviously he's made decent progression from what we've heard from uh, within camp, and you know hopefully it's only up from here for Jordan Love, and he actually will get some preseason reps. So, you know it's it's only up from here, right? I I think obviously there is a basement for him. You know if he is thrown into the situation in 2021. Like maybe uh, we didn't have the expectation for, and the Packers front office didn't have the expectation for. Jordan loves handling the pressure well, and I, I talked yeah. about how how he met with media. He said, "100, percent I'll be ready. I was drafted here to play quarterback. That's what I'm coming here to do." So it has been, you know, nice to see that positivity and that confidence uh, from Jordan Love. Yeah, I appreciated his maturity and the way he kind of held himself and handled himself in in media. I also think, like, what else is he supposed to say to that? Right. You know, like when when given the opportunity, of course he's gonna, you know, if, if the time come, if and when the time comes for him to start, if it's week one now this year, if it's week one next year, you know, you want him to be able to have the team rally around him. And the only way that he's going to be able to do that if he walks out with confidence and says, I'm going to lead, lead this team to win. Um, so I, I don't, I, I, again, like I just don't put too much stock into that. Cause like, what else is he going to say? Like, right. no, I'm freaking out. I wasn't supposed <laughs> to be in this position yet. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. I mean, I, I'm glad he didn't say that because that, right. that would be, that would be very concerning, but no, he, he handled it like a hashtag pros pro a little coach speak for you. Um, when, when he, when he faced it. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, uh, a lot following Jordan Love, a lot of eyes on Jordan Love, uh, this off season as we lead up to training camp next month. All right, let's dive into some of these questions, Perry. Uh, a lot of good ones came at us. We appreciate everybody that sent them over. Uh, I knew this one was going to get your attention, so we better dive right into it. The self-proclaimed DB Stan, uh, Nathan Lovell chimes in on Twitter, predict the starting secondary, including the slot corner for week one and predicted for week 18 base defense to Stokes or SJC take over. So Perry, uh, I'm going to kind of let you lead this one because this is your forte right here. This is, <laughs> this, is this is your MO. So we'll start uh, with the secondary, obviously uh, Jair, but uh, on from there. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think you've got three solid starters, Jair, 
Amos and Savage. I don't yep. think there's any question there um, in terms of base. I think Kevin King will start week one. Um, I, I don't see unless he's either injured or they feel like Stokes is so much better, which I, I don't think is right. going to be the case. Um, you know, they, they have Ke Kevin King out there week one. Um, they brought him back for a reason. I don't see why they would pay him $5 million to then not start him at least there week one. If it, if it changes by week 17, that's a different story. Um, in terms of the slot, position it's an interesting question um i know that they've had a little will redmond in there um mm -hmm. for the star role they've also had chandon sullivan i think they're going to start with what you saw last season um I, I don't see a world again unless somebody really shows out in training camp where it's not jair and kevin chandon sullivan in the slot and then adrian amos and and darnell savage um as safety by week 17 um, I have said this and I'm going to just stick by it because, you know, too late to change my tune now. I do see Stokes taking over on the boundary by, by week 17. Um, I, I think that he has all the traits and all the tools to learn, grow under Jerry Gray, um, learn from the rest of the room and eventually surpass Kevin King. I just, I don't see it being that difficult to surpass Kevin King, not to mention, unfortunately, Kevin King is quite injury prone. Mm -hmm. So all he needs to do, right, is like pull a hammy one game <laughs> and Stokes, right? And it happens to him quite often. It does. And Stokes goes in and, and potentially just earns the role and then they don't take him out of it. So that's my prediction for week 17. Um, I don't know enough and haven't seen enough about Shamar Jean Charles to, to have any kind of stance on um, where I think that he would be. I think maybe he could be an option in like a dime or nickel package, um, just like Will Redmond. I don't have high hopes for Will Redmond. I think we've seen what he is and he's quite inconsistent. So I could see Shamar Jean Charles taking over there, but I've also read that in the kind of Brandon Staley um, defense uh which Joe Barry, I think, is going to implement a little bit more. They actually prefer strong safeties, and and that's why they've had Will Redmond in that star role. Um, so having three safeties out there versus three corners. Um, but you know, again, they they have a lot of tools to work with. Um, so so we'll see what happens by you know the middle of the season. But I definitely say at least my prediction is that Stokes takes over on the boundary. Yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm totally with you there. I, you, you made a great point with Kevin King, right? They brought him back for a reason. Even though they did draft a, a corner in the first round, I think Kevin King will be the starter week one. But that does lay the land. It gives the opportunity for Stokes to come out there. And you mentioned it. Kevin King has been injury prone. So odds are Stokes will see an opportunity, uh, you know, probably er, er, early into the season. And if he is as good as we hope he can be, he can certainly take over pretty early. So I'm with you. Yeah. I think that's that's the one big move that will probably occur um, throughout. And obviously that's the expectation for Stokes uh, to eventually be opposite Jair. And that if yeah. he, again, is as good as we think he can be, that's going to be a hell of a defensive backfield uh, between Jair, Stokes, Amos, and Savage. That's going to be a fun group if Stokes can really come. It makes me so excited. It really right. does. And, and I think the only thing I'd add, Alex, too, is that I know that it's pretty common for – rookie corners to maybe start in the slot. Um, I just don't see them doing that with Stokes, right? He didn't really play in the slot in college. He is, he was drafted to be a boundary corner. Um, don't confuse him, right? Like have him learn what he's meant to be, which is to be that boundary corner. So I think that in terms of, you know, who's going to play that star role, 
Um, it's going to be moved around. I, I don't want them to move Jair. Like, why take someone out of what they excel at? Um, but I, I think my one answer for who it won't be is I, I would be surprised if they started Stokes in the slot. I'm totally with you. Uh, but, you know, obviously he has the speed. He's, he's athletic. He has the abilities. But, he, as you said, he didn't do it a lot. Keep him where he's meant to be. And that's the opportunity where he'll thrive the most. So we'll see. Uh, what Stokes is capable of, but I'm still stoked on that pick, pun intended. Uh, ha, ha, ha. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's, he's obviously going to come in and play a, a, a big role, hopefully early. Um, yeah. And that, I think that's the expectation for Eric Stokes. So excited to see. As we're only 90 days away, I still can't believe it. Uh, <laughs> let's roll into the next one, Perry. This one's a lot of fun, so it might take us a few minutes. Uh, this coming from Matt Pickett. He says, who do you think is the most likely cut candidate at each position, if there is one. So we'll roll through, we'll throw out some names, and uh, we'll try to, we'll try to uh, show Brian Gutekunst how to do his job, because a lot of people have said he hasn't done a great job. Uh, now's our opportunity to show him how to do a great job, right, Perry? I guess so. We're putting <laughs> on our, our GM hats. Yeah, here we go. We'll do our best. Uh, no promises. This is not either of our day jobs. Here we go. We start <laughs> with quarterback. Uh, uh, five of them on the roster right now, there's at least two easy to cut, right? I mean, I'd, I'd imagine the most they keep is, is Rodgers, assuming he's around Love and Bortles. Yeah, I think the rest are kind of up in the air, although I'm really pulling for Kurt Bankert. You know, he's become a fan favorite. He has indeed, uh, as as the Tim Boyle uh, hole needs to be uh, is, is needs to be filled. And I think Kurt Bankert is playing that role all of a sudden. Uh uh, he's been throwing dots from what we can hear, but I, I think it's still an uphill battle for him come August. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's room on the practice squad, of course, but the Packers never keep more than four, and they have right. five at the moment. Right, exactly. So I think uh, we, will, we will see how that shakes out. Uh, a bunch of running backs on the roster right now. Perry, uh, which direction do you want to go? I think uh, I think obviously AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones are safe. Kylan Hill's a draft pick, so he's probably uh, mm-hmm. you know got got roster or at least practice squad potential. But outside of there, do, do you think you know Dexter Williams is a cut? Uh, Demarie Crockett. I don't even know if I said that correctly. So that's uh, that shows you how much I know about him. Uh, and then Patrick Taylor Jr., the other running back on the roster. All three of those guys kind of seem like they could be options uh, come August. I think it's going to be Dexter Williams, and I only say that because he's been on the team a couple of seasons, and I feel like they probably know what they have with him at this point. Um, And if they're only going to keep four, I I can't see them keeping more than four running backs, and I agree with you. I think Jones, Dylan, Kylan Hill, all safe. Um, I'm pulling for Patrick Taylor. Um, We got to actually have him on the podcast on PAX, which he said, and I think he brings a really interesting, unique skill set, and he's over six feet. He's huge yeah. um, and can be really versatile and, and used quite well. And he wasn't even really given that big of a shot last year because he got hurt. So um, I, I'm, I think it's just going to be Dexter only because, you know, he's been given his chances and his opportunities already. Yeah, that's a great point. They, they know what they're getting with Dexter Williams. So, you know, if they want to see what some of these other guys have long term, uh, he could be on the chopping block. Totally in agreement there. Now, this next uh, position, wide receiver, where we'll go next, is kind of a fun one because I think there's there's talk about maybe Devin Funches being being a casualty uh, come August. Reggie Bagleton uh, likely could be another guy that that wouldn't make the cut. Um, Amari Rogers, obviously the rookie, he'll be safe. Equinemius St. Brown could be on the chopping block. There's a lot of names here 
that we could definitely discuss at length uh, that that could be, you know, casualties of a cut here in a couple months. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to avoid some of the guys who will probably end up on the practice squad or just be like special teams guys. So yeah. of the main, I'd say, let's see, five, six that are vying for spots, you know, you, you'd you say Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, MVS, Amari Rogers. I, I don't see really any question there. Um, and then it's between EQ and Devin Funches. And that's a really tough one because obviously Devin hasn't played in quite some time. So it depends on how he looks. It depends on how he connects with whoever it is under center. Um, but my, my, when I first saw this question, Alex, I, I immediately thought, I think it's EQ. Um, and the wow. reason that I say that is because I know. And the reason that I say that is just, again, like, Similar to Dexter Williams, I feel like he's had his opportunities. He's been on the team. He hasn't really been able to perform at any kind of, you know, exciting or meaningful level. He's also been fairly injury prone, which is always an issue. Um, not that Devin Bunches hasn't, right? But they're kind of redundant in, in each other. They're just big body guys. Um, yeah. And so if you're going to keep one, I'm leaning towards Bunches, mostly also from like that experience and that he has in the past proven that he can play, right? He went to the Super Bowl with Cam Newton. So um, I, I'm leaning EQ, but again, it, it totally depends on what happens in camp. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, you know, you're right. It is a guy that has been given the opportunities, and he mentioned he has been injury-prone throughout his first couple of years in Green Bay. Uh, it's a tough pill to swallow, though. I really do like EQ. I like the athleticism he presents, but you, you, you make a great point, right? I mean, there's only so many roster spots available, um, so that is a guy that could uh, be told sayonara, and he will go see an opportunity elsewhere. It's not like he'll bounce out of the league, but uh, Green Bay certainly uh, has, has quite a few guys that they're looking at, not to mention, obviously, the signing of DeAndre Tompkins. Maybe he'll get a shot. Jawan Winfrey, also a new addition. So it uh, will be interesting to see. But EQ, definitely a name that I think could be uh, could be on the chopping block um, down the road. So, uh, again, tough pill to swallow. I like EQ, but I think, you're, I, think you, I think you nailed it with that one. Let's roll on to tight ends, shall we? Uh, Dominique Daphne, Josiah DeGuam, Mercedes Lewis, uh, Isaac, I always slaughter it, Nauta, I believe, Jay Sternberger, Robert Tunyon, the current tight ends on the roster. They went heavy tight ends 
in 2020, Perry. What do you think the magic number is this year? Uh, is is it four? Is it is it even five for tight ends? I I don't know. I mean, Matt Lafleur loves his uh, yeah. two tight end sets. Um, I personally think that it's it might be it for Jace. I think like the um, suspension might just kind of be that nail in the coffin, right? Like he yeah. can't even play the first two games. He hasn't been able to perform. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. I mean, granted, he got COVID last year, and and you couldn't um, you couldn't really help that. But he doesn't seem to have any kind of like rapport at all with Rogers. So I, I I hate to cut a third round pick that feels like something the Packers likely probably won't do. But again, I have the GM hat on, and if it was me, I, I might say goodbye to Jace just because the rest of the guy, these guys have actually shown that they're capable of being yeah. meaningful pieces in the offense. Yeah, I think you're totally right. That's that's another guy similar to Equinemius St. Brown who has been given the opportunities. The bar was set high for him, and rightfully so, as, as a third-round pick. But he hasn't really been able to provide as much as maybe we'd like. We saw Dominique Daphne and obviously Bobby Tunyon take big leaps last year when many expected that to be Jace's opportunity. Jace Sternberger would be the guy to take a big leap in 2020, and obviously that wasn't the case. And you mentioned it, the news this week that comes out uh, of Sternberger being suspended for the first two games of the 2021 season. You use the term nail in a coffin. I think, again, Perry, you're nailing this. Jace Sternberger seems like uh, a likely uh, a likely guy that could be cut come the end of training camp and the preseason, uh, given the opportunities. And you're right, the, the, the suspension does not help at all. Um, I also don't think Isaac Nauta will make the roster. I think they'd stick with Daphne, DeGuara, Lewis, and Tunyon, similar to last year. Um, and with DeGuara healthy, obviously that's a guy that Matt LaFleur has high expectations for. We know he has a man crush on him. He speaks very highly of him. He likes his flexibility and capabilities. So uh, when, when he's healthy, he'll be a, a fun addition uh, this year um, you know, to the, to the complex offense with the two tight end sets. We're, we're, uh, excited to see what DeGuara is capable of. But agreed, Sternberger looks like uh, the done deal. Offensive line, how do you want to do this? Because there's obviously about 100 options here. <laughs> there uh, are. <laughs> when there's 90 guys on the roster. Um, so, I mean, there's tons of names we could throw up. But any gut feelings that might be a really uh, option for you? Let's loop them all together because I feel like the Packers move guys around the line too uh, too much to really yeah. like pigeonhole them. You know, um, exactly. there there are there's some obvious locks. Um, I think if if you know if you told me like Jake Hansen or Simon Stepaniak were cut, like that wouldn't really surprise me all that much. Same with like Yash, but also Yash is the only I guess true tackle. Yeah. Um, everyone else is sort of guard turn tackle. So if they wanted to keep him, but again, I think it's the same thought process for me is like when you've been on the team for a couple of seasons and you haven't been able to break into that, any kind of meaningful role to me, eventually they're going to let you go. Um, I want to say like maybe a Lucas Patrick, if you know, Josh Myers, and Royce Newman both are starters. Like, where does that leave Lucas Patrick? But I think he's sure. such a good, good sort of depth backup that I don't know if they would do that. So I'm going with more of the guys that are just on the fringe. I know that's a really boring um, and and not exciting answer, but I, I think that the kind of starting four-ish are pretty set, and there's so many vying for basically just one spot. No, totally. And there uh, and there's a lot of guys on the roster, like I mentioned, right? When you, when you have 90 
ish guys on the roster. A lot of them are going to be uh, the big boys that, that are playing in the trenches. So uh, certainly a lot of options. I like the Lucas Patrick pick. So let's roll on to defensive line. Um, again, similar to the offensive line. A lot of options here. Um, I actually don't think a single defensive lineman is going to get cut. I, I, I really, think, yeah, I don't think so. They, they, they need the big bodies, like you said, in the trenches. That's that's where you win games. And I think the Packers really worked hard to actually bring in defensive linemen that they think are going to be at least competitors. Um, and they need that depth. I mean, my thought process. I think Andy and I have the same thought process always. And this is like, if Kenny Clark goes down, like, what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> So I actually don't see an, anyone getting cut. Not Dean, not Kingsley Kiki. Um, obviously, Slayton was just drafted. Um, Delonte Scott, maybe. Willington Prevlon, Carl Kemp. One of those, potentially. But I think that they need the depth so badly um, that they don't cut a defensive lineman. Yeah, something they didn't make a ton of moves on this offseason. But you mentioned, uh, obviously, the, the new addition of, of TJ Slayton. Um, but not a ton of options to be cut here. Only only seven guys on the roster right now. Um, and then Jake Heflin, kind of the other name, maybe, but that's that's a rookie, so it's it's not a super sexy pick either way. So uh, I agree, not a ton of options here, and they need the depth. They saw some time the last couple of years without Kenny Clark, and we know that got ugly. So you, you certainly mm-hmm. need you certainly need the depth uh, right now for the Packers up front defensively. Uh, linebackers. Let's dive into these now. We can go inside and outside. We can just go one overall. We can lump them all together. How, how, do, how do you want to go about this, Perry? This is obviously where things get interesting because there's some competition. I feel similarly about outside linebackers, like your your edge rushers. Let's say I actually don't think the Packers are going to cut any of them. Um, I think again, like a few could end up back on the practice squad, but they used Ramsey. Ramsey. Ram, wow, I can't speak. Randy Ramsey last year, Jonathan Garvin was taking snaps with the ones I heard in camp because Preston Zadarius weren't there. Tiba showed flashes. So I don't see them cutting anyone. Um, My actual cuts, like this is, I think my biggest surprise uh, if Jace wasn't my, this is my, this version on defense, um, Oren Burks. I I don't think that Oren Burks has done anything. If anything, he's shown he, is not a starting caliber anything in the NFL. They tried him at inside linebacker. They tried him at outside linebacker. They tried him in safety a little bit. He, he just hasn't been able to accomplish or do anything on the field. And so it's potentially time to move on from Warren Burks. Yes, yeah, certainly a guy that hasn't been able to find his niche. He was atop my list as well. I think Ty Summers is safe. I think Devondre Campbell certainly will have the opportunity, obviously, the new addition to the Packers. Um, inside. So two guys that, that could also be considered, but again, I think it's too early to judge Campbell and uh, Burke seems like more of a, uh, a home run cut than Ty Summers does right now. So certainly, uh, certainly a fun competition going on there inside, but progression from a year ago, obviously if we were having this conversation one year ago, we'd be a little bit less confident uh, than I think we are right now with this linebacker group that the Packers have put together. I agree with that. Yeah, there's definitely some young options that that could grow into um, a significant starting role. Let's lump the defensive backs all together. I know this is your favorite group, and there's probably quite a few options back here, obviously, with like Ray Wilborn on the roster yet. But uh, any surprising picks for you uh, defensive backs wise? 
Yeah, I mean, again, I think a couple of these guys will be practice squad, some of the undrafted free agents they brought in. Um, it's got to be Josh Jackson, right? Like, it, yep. it's if, if I'm applying, if I'm GM and I'm applying all of the same logic to each position, which, like, maybe is not the way to go, and that's why I'm not a GM of a football team, um, it, it's got to be Josh Jackson. Like, he, again, been on the team. He hasn't been able to take any kind of meaningful snaps. He pretty much just plays special teams, and you, if you're – you know, vying for a roster spot and it's your, what, it's his fourth season going mm-hmm. fourth season because he was drafted with Jair and he hasn't shown that he can be any kind of, not even a starter, right? Just like he gets put in in the fourth quarter when the Packers are winning by 40. Um, that's just not what you want to see from your second round pick. And he's getting paid like a second round pick, right? And this is his last year on his deal. Um, I doubt they extend him. So I think he's a potential candidate. No, I agree totally. I think that's uh, that's the guy that's top of the list, the obvious pick. He's been disappointing and underwhelming ever since he's been drafted. Hasn't been able to live up to that aforementioned second-round potential. Uh, it was a guy I was excited about when he was drafted back in 18, Perry, but he's really been underwhelming. So I think, that's, I think that's an obvious pick. Uh, Kadar Holman's another name maybe you could throw out there that's been a, a long while and hasn't really been able to find his niche. Uh, back there for the defensive backs. So I, I think those are two of the names that, that kind of come top of mind for me. But I think, you know, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, the obvious locks are Jair, Amos, Savage, King, uh, Sullivan, Redman, and uh, obviously the new picks and Stokes and Gene Charles uh, at the very least, if they don't keep a couple more names in that. So uh, definitely a group that's shaping up to be a lot of fun. I'm pumped about this defense now that we've gone through it. It's certainly uh, – <laughs> It's certainly one that, that I'm excited for and, and could, uh, could really uh, help this team make a run. And obviously that's, that's not saying a whole lot given the last two years ended in the NFC Championship game. But uh, this defense is a group I'm feeling really good about. Me too. And now that I agree with you, now that we're going through it, like there's a reason why the Packers brought everybody back. You know, it's like a really, really strong group. Um, and a lot of guys who can potentially make some nice jumps and be um, you know, really – standout kind of I guess we're we're jumping ahead to one of our questions but guys who can make a leap who can be really impactful um for for the team that I think from all different positions we're both excited about and that's the last question I want to get to Perry so let's get right to it uh Adam chimes in on Twitter who are you looking forward to to making the biggest leap in ability from this year uh in comparison to last year so somebody that was around a year ago that you're looking forward to to making a leap oh it's Rashawn Gary Oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like the easiest question to answer. I mean, first off, like first round pick a couple of years ago, I think a lot of people were really surprised at the pick because classic Packers took someone who's a little bit developmental and didn't see the field because he was behind both the Smiths who had just like otherworldly seasons in 2019. Um, but then you see him back out there on in, in the 2020 season and he really is, he's, he is impactful. You know, yeah. sometimes I think, Things that rushers do um, don't necessarily end up on the stat sheet, but he can be really disruptive. And eventually, when you're continuously disruptive of the pocket and the quarterback, you are going to end up on the stat sheet, right? You are going to end up getting home or allowing somebody else to get home, or you're going to get a ha- that you know half sack with somebody else, um, a, a tackle for a loss, etc. And I just think Rashawn is right there. You know, he he has every physical tool possible. And you can like feel him being molded by Mike Smith and um, getting the opportunities just 
all he needs is more snaps, I think, and and you will see it. And I think there's some yeah. buzz about him around the league too. I, I saw this week on Twitter, he was in like a PFF list of potential breakout candidates. And it's obviously because he's just got everything going for him right now. All he needs is the opportunity. Um, and I also, I'll just add, uh, he's just got the best mindset. And I think there's something mm. to that for players, you know, especially if, you haven't necessarily performed to your first round pick status quite yet. And you're going into year three, like he's very confident. He's very focused. Um, he's very, just like, if you ever, you listen to his pressers, what everybody says about him is like, he puts 120% everything that he does. And when you're like that in anything that you do, you're going to end up being successful. Um, so I'm super, super hype about Rashawn Gary. And I can't wait for him to just like shut down all the people who said that he was a bust because I, I really have, um, High hopes. Yeah, me too. It's it's a guy that we're, we're looking forward to making a big leap. And you mentioned it. The opportunities are going to be there uh, more so than ever for Rashawn Gary. So it's going to be really fun to see what he can do with them. But but you mentioned it. It's a guy that goes at 100 miles per hour all the time. Uh, it's only a matter of time before he makes that big jump. And I think this is the year. We, we've, we talked about it a little bit last week when we were together, Perry. You know, Preston might not get all the opportunities that he got the last two years because a guy by the name of Rashawn Gary is going to take those opportunities and hopefully make the most of them. I'm really excited to see what Rashawn is capable of in 2021. I'll go offense for my picks though, uh, plural, and I'll explain why. How about the first and second round picks from 2020? Jordan Love, if the opportunities are there, I'm excited to see him actually active and on the field. So that's uh, already a jump from the 2020 season, but, but uh, in all seriousness, A.J. Dillon's going to get that Jamal Williams role, that number two guy in the one-two punch for the Packers' backfield. And if there is no Aaron Rodgers, I imagine they'll be relying heavier than they usually do on the backfield. So I'm really excited to see what Quadzilla's capable of in 2021. Uh, this is a guy that, that's going to take the league by storm, I think. I mean, this is, this is if not the best, one of the best one-two punch backfields in the entire National Football League. It really is. And especially if what you're hearing about him, like kind of catching passes and, and running routes in practice, like that is, that should strike fear into the hearts of defenses. Like he already looks like he's impossible to tackle. And then you add in his ability to, to catch passes. But I completely agree with you. Um, you know, you saw what he was, everyone referenced the Titans game because it was the only opportunity he had where he took like any kind of meaningful snaps. Um, but when you get that and you get him into a rhythm, I, I think that he's going to be just, he's going to bulldoze people down. Um, and again, I think that's the schedulers love to give the Packers home games in December and January, which I think that they're probably fine with. Um, and that's when you're going to really like break AJ Dillon out and, and see it. You mentioned Jordan love and we did get a question about Jordan love. If you want to go over it, like really, really quickly before we wrap up, because I think it's interesting. Yeah. It was from Joey Bonadon and he asked if, Jordan Love is the starter in 2021. What is a realistic win count for this team? So remember, it is now 17 games rather than the normal 16, uh, which is always the, the, the fun asterisk for this upcoming season. So with of those 17 games, and it's a tough schedule, mind you, how many do you think the Packers can win with Jordan Love? I'll, I'll go first, Perry, if you don't mind. I go think for realistic for Jordan Love in year one is like 10 and seven absolute ceiling. Uh, this group around him is really solid. I think the Packers have set him up well. But uh, when you're a year two guy that has very little opportunities under his belt in the last uh, ever since you've been drafted, 
uh, you're you're not in the best position to win. So I think ten and seven's like the absolute ceiling. But I think realistically, it's a, it's an eight and nine, nine and eight year uh, with Jordan Love under center. I, I think he's capable of uh, of you know putting together a, a above just above five hundred season given the group he has around him. So I'll go. I will go with a confident nine and eight if Jordan Love is the starter. That's a good one. That was around what I was thinking as well. Just given, you know, Matt LaFleur's scheme is super quarterback friendly. Um, we just mentioned the one-two punch in A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. They're going to lean on that a lot. I think about, Alex, when I saw this question, I, I went back to the Brett Hundley season. And I think the Packers yeah. went 6-9-1 and one that season, if, I, yep. if I'm not mistaken. And I think about how Devontae Adams was still performing at such an elite level, even with Brett Hundley under center. And you'd like to think that Jordan Love is at least better. Like his floor, right, to me is Brett Huntley. So if you're going to get your running backs going and you're going to get Devontae Adams, who can still perform with pretty much anybody, I agree with you. I think around 500 is is kind of that sweet spot where that would be nice if that's where they ended up. Now, could it still be 7-10? and 10? Would I be surprised about 7-10? and 10? Not at all. No. And I also agree with you that 10-7 and 7 wouldn't shock me either, just giving the pieces. But that would mean that the defense would have to be performing at a pretty elite level. Like we, The Packers would have to have probably a top 10 defense for yeah. that to be the case, which is not out of the realm of possibilities, but again is, is a pretty decent question mark. So I think the range to me is like 7-10 and 10 and 10-7. and 7. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. And to go with the defense, right? It's a group, as I mentioned five minutes ago, very excited about, but you can't slot them home as, as, as a top five, top 10 D uh, right now. So uh, the schedule is tough. Road games at Arizona, Kansas City, and Baltimore. Home mm-hmm. games against teams like Seattle, Cleveland, uh, the Rams with Matthew Stafford. So certainly uh, certainly a fun schedule for a uh, a second-year quarterback with no reps under his belt prior <laughs> to his second season, but uh, I, the expectations are high with the group around him. So I, I think we're, I think we're in the, I think we're in a good ballpark between seven and ten wins. I agree with you. I'd be happy with that. I would accept that. Oh, I love talking hypotheticals, but only ninety days away from real, actual football. I cannot freaking wait. And I think Perry Goldstein, after her performance today on the Pack and Eight podcast is going to be working for a front office somewhere. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, that's high praise, isn't it? Dreams come true. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff. Perry, uh, at Perry underscore Goldstein on Twitter. Great chatting with you as always. Uh, That was another fun conversation today. Always, Alex. We, We don't even need Andy anymore. No, I think we've graduated past the Andy Herman. Uh, you know, we don't need him as a crutch anymore, I don't think. Yes, we do. We miss you, Andy. We're, we're looking forward to getting back with you. But Andy filled in yesterday. We gave him the day off. Uh, so for Perry Goldstein, again, at Perry underscore Goldstein on Twitter. I'm Alex Strope. You can connect with me at Alex underscore Strope. Looking forward to chatting with you again real soon. Uh, in the meantime, go pack go. And take care of yourself. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.